This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone. And a big thanks to Greg Smith for jumping in yesterday. I uh, had to call in sick yesterday. (laughs) Uh, Not feeling the best, but feeling much better today. Thanks for asking. Um, But uh, thank you once again to uh, Greg for uh, helping to uh, carry the load there yesterday. Well, this is Canadian Patient Safety Week, and pharmacies are playing a role in helping to keep people and older adults in particular safe and engaged in their health care management. We have a story running in our uh, news run today from Kaihai, who have released information showing that seniors in particular in long-term care are three times more likely to be prescribed antidepressants than seniors living in the community at large. Well, pharmacists are already aware that seniors are more likely to take medications and more medications than other populations, with two-thirds of Canadians over the age of 65 taking five or more medications, and one in four who are taking 10 or more more medications. My guests today are with Memorial University's School of Pharmacy. They include Dr. Kathy Balsam, teaching assistant professor with the Medication Therapy Services Clinic at Memorial University. Hello, Kathy. Hi there. How are you? Great. And Jeremy McDonald, lecturer with the Medication Therapy Services Clinic. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Linda. Thanks for having us on today. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, Dr. Balsam, I'll start with you. Um, What exactly is the Medication Therapy Services Clinic? Yeah, so uh, we call it the MTS Clinic for short, but you're right. It is the Medication Therapy Services Clinic. So we are a pharmacist-run clinic, and we actually sit down with our patients for about an hour or so uh, during each of their appointments, and we go down through all of their medications, how it can be, um, how they can be affecting their medical conditions and kind of their overall health care. And from there, we really determine, okay, what's in the best interest of this patient? And if there's any recommendations that we can make that could change their drug therapy for the better, we work collaboratively with prescribers, be it nurse practitioners or physicians, any of the such, um, to make sure that we do get patients on the best medication regimen for them. So do these patients come to you? How does that work? Yes, absolutely. So patients can get referred through their prescriber or healthcare providers. You know, we see people from occupational therapists or physiotherapists, uh, physicians, specialists, geriatricians, nurses. So anybody can really refer to here. And we also take patients on self-referral. So if somebody is just interested in their own medications, even in today's kind of healthcare crisis with the lack of family physicians, we can certainly just take people of their own accord. They can certainly call and book their own appointment. And Jeremy, how many patients do you have? Uh, That's certainly a good question, Linda. Uh, We see a variety of patients, you know, throughout the week. They are comprehensive visits that we we do with patients. So typically, you know, we would see a patient in the morning and in the afternoon, and we would also have students with us that uh, would be completing some learning um, with us and with the patient. And over time, we we build up a a roster of patients that we follow up with, you know, on a regular basis uh, to kind of monitor if the changes that we've recommended are having an impact and if there are any other recommendations that are needed. Um, So it it definitely depends uh, from time to time. And are are these uh, meetings uh, virtual or in person or a combination of the two? 
Yeah, so that's um, another good point. So we do often see patients here in person in our clinic. We're located uh, at 75 Tiffany Court, so we're kind of on the east end next to um, Tiffany Village there. Um, but So we can see patients here in person, but we can also see patients virtually. So we have uh, virtual software where we can uh, you know, see a patient face-to-face -face kind of on a computer, on, an, on a tablet, on a phone. Um, but we also may do telephone, vision, uh, telephone visits for patients that may not have you know, uh, an adequate access to, uh, to internet to uh, kind of do the virtual care. Uh, and sometimes we, uh, you know, may also do home visits where we may actually go into patients' homes that may have mobility, um, you know, issues and are unable to come into the clinic. So we kind of have a few options there for how we see our patients. That's great. It sounds very comprehensive. Um, Kathy, what, what exactly then is, is Canadian Patient Safety Week? Yeah, so we like to celebrate Patient Safety Week, uh, you know, once a year, usually around the end of October. So this year it's running from October 24th to the 28th. And the theme this year is Press Play on Safety Conversations. So I think this can encompass a lot of different things. But from our perspective as pharmacists, we really think it's important to work proactively and look at patients' medications and how they can be impacting their, their health care. And I think, you know, what better time than in a crisis <laughs> to try to encourage patient, patient safety? I think a lot of the healthcare providers out there are definitely kind of burnt out um, and exhausted. And I think, you know, that can even impact patient care. So we're really here to really promote these safety conversations to be had. So we're really hoping to encourage patients to talk to their healthcare providers, you know, pharmacists included about, you know, is everything that they're taking safe? Is there any opportunities to change anything for the better? So really kind of engaging people in their health care. And you sort of touched on it there earlier, Kathy, um, about the fact that some patients today, a lot of patients today, don't have access to a family doctor. So does overprescribing become a problem if you don't have that uh, one point that says, hey, wait a minute, you're already taking these drugs. Uh, let me think about how to address these issues you're having. Yeah, so I guess, you know, first of all, talking about overprescribing, I mean, we know that in this province in particular, we do have the highest rate of potentially inappropriate medications being used in our seniors. So you referenced earlier the CHI-HI or the Canadian Institute for Health Information Report. So that actually just recently um, got updated with 2020-2021 data, and it actually said that in Newfoundland, 64.9% of our seniors are prescribed potentially inappropriate medications. And if you look at the rest of Canada, that statistic is only actually 43.5%. So still high, but Newfoundland is definitely, you know, far, far above that rate. So we've had an issue with potentially inappropriate medications being used in our seniors for a long time. And I think, you know, with this healthcare crisis, we have seen people maintaining the prescriptions that they're on, either through, you know, a family physician extending it. And, you know, if they retire or they move on, the pharmacist may extend it, and then they may call 811 for extensions. We're kind of seeing the same medications being prescribed throughout. So I think it's maintaining our problem. I don't think a lot of us are kind of motivated in this time to have those conversations about, can I change these things? And sometimes that's not easy. 
if you don't have that consistent health care provider. So certainly, you know, just because you don't have access or you may not have access to one primary care provider right now, not, a, not you know, certainly not a good time not to have these conversations, even though it's challenging. I still do think it's a good time to have those conversations. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about the importance of these types of conversations and for patients to be engaged with uh, their health care provider, whoever it happens to be, when it comes to prescribing of medications. When we come back after the break, our guests today are with Memorial University School of Pharmacy. They include Dr. Kathy Balsam and Jeremy McDonald. We'll be back right after this. Weekdays on VOCM, it's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking. And we're back. Our guests today are Dr. Kathy Balsam and Jeremy McDonald with Munn's School of Pharmacy. And uh, this is wait for it, Canadian Patient Safety Week, and uh, pharmacies are playing a role. And uh, uh, Kathy, who typically monitors uh, drug prescriptions and interactions? Yeah, so I mean, that certainly comes down to the pharmacist's role. So anytime a prescription is filled, there's some, you know, <laughs> work done behind the scenes. So the pharmacist is looking at other medications that you're taking. Also, you know, to see if there's any drug interactions. They may be reviewing your health record to see what your kidney function is like or what your liver function is like to make sure that dose is appropriate for you. There's a lot of work that goes into any prescription behind the scenes. Does it become a little more pr- problematic without a family doctor? I I absolutely think so. You know, when it comes to just accessing medications, that's a big issue that we have. You know, uh, with our uh, standards of practice right now, pharmacists can extend prescriptions, but they can only do so for so long. And a lot of medications do require regular monitoring to ensure that they're still effective and that they're not causing any problems. So because the pharmacists don't have the ability to order lab values, a lot of us aren't really comfortable extending for an extended period of time because somebody's got to be able to do that uh, that monitoring and follow-up. So there's definitely a problem when it comes to, you know, a lack of family physicians at this time. However, we do try to help, obviously, our patients as much as we possibly can. So if we do see patients here at the MTS clinic that are without a primary care provider, we're trying to help them navigate the healthcare system. So, you know, trying to find them a solution through virtual care somewhere or trying to advocate for them to be seen with the collaborative care clinics sooner rather than later if they've got some urgent issues. But we're really helping to support them through their through their medical medication-related problems. Jeremy, is there a, a more, uh, I suppose, who, who, what type of patient is more likely to be prescribed a greater number of medications? Yeah, so typically um, seniors are certainly at a higher risk of being prescribed more medications. You know, as time goes on and, um, you know, your your medical conditions change, oftentimes medications may get added. And, uh, you know, a few years down the road, perhaps you're having a side effect from a medication and then a medication gets started, you know, to combat that side effect or you develop, um, you know, further progression of your medical conditions and, and more medications get added. So oftentimes we see multiple medications or what we term um, called polypharmacy um, in our older adults and you know here at the clinic we see patients of a variety of ages all ages really but uh, definitely our senior population is the most common that that would come to visit us simply because they are the uh, the group that would be on more medications I don't know about most people but I know if my doctor says okay we're going to prescribe you this for this issue that you know I've just discovered you have um, I'm going to say 
okay. Um, and I won't know what questions to ask. Are, are a lot of patients like that? Yeah, that's, that's very common, Linda, for sure. A lot of patients, you know, whatever they're um, provided in terms of a prescription, they agree to. But a lot of things, a lot of the times we say, you know, you should become the center of your care. And it's easier said than done. What, what kind of questions will you ask when a medication gets uh, started? And I know a lot of, you know, all healthcare education today really uh, focuses on patient-centered care and having, uh, you know, the patient as part of the healthcare team. So, you know, when a medication gets started, you know, you should certainly want to know what the medication is for. So if you've been, um, you know, diagnosed with a new condition or if you have new symptoms, um, you know, developing and a medication started, you certainly would want to know what that medication is for. And um, you'd also want to know different things like, you know, when would I want to see, uh, see a benefit with this medication or what are potential side effects that I could experience with this medication, just so that, um, you know, you yourself can keep an eye on those different side effects. And if you experience them, you know, perhaps it's a blood pressure medication and you should be monitoring your blood pressure. Um, so, you know, knowing, having that education from a healthcare provider, whether it be the prescriber, such as the physician, uh, family doctor, nurse practitioner, or uh, from the, the pharmacy team when you, you get your medications filled, you know, it's, it's really important to know how to monitor those um, medications themselves. But another thing we, we tell patients to be aware of is, you know, okay, today is my start date. I'm starting a new medication. What's the plan for this medication long-term? Is this going to be something I'm just going to take for a few weeks, a few months, um, or is this a long-term medication, and is there a plan stop date? Right, because I think in terms of uh, sometimes you'll hear people say, you know what, I, I used to get really dizzy when I was on that, and I just stopped taking it. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Sometimes they don't tell their doctor or their pharmacist that they've stopped taking a medication. Is that an issue? Yeah, so uh, that can can certainly be uh, be an issue there, um, where some patients will stop medications without telling a healthcare provider, and it's certainly important um, to let healthcare providers know, just because perhaps we are assuming that you're on a medication and then you know something else happens, and perhaps another drug gets prescribed, and without realizing what the actual picture of the situation is. Right. So the more information they have, the better they're able to prescribe. Right. Yeah, for sure. To be able to make, uh, you know, those informed decisions uh, about your care. Yeah. Do seniors have a say, Kathy? Yeah, so it's funny. I mean, the attitudes towards having a say definitely vary. So some of our senior demographic does feel, you know, they have full trust in our in their healthcare providers and they kind of just do as they're told and don't really, you know, question the the prescribers and the physicians. So, you know, it's it's certainly one way of looking at it. Um and then we have some other uh, seniors that are certainly very invested in in their care um and their prescriptions and it's funny I've done some research on medication related um, medications, sorry, prescribed and at, at the St. Patrick's Mercy Home locally. And we actually interviewed residents there. So a lot of them actually said, you know, I just take what my doctor tells me because I certainly trust them. And that's certainly one way of thinking about it. But when you look at the um, 
caregivers or uh, the loved ones, they really said that they wanted to be more part of the conversation and more engaged and be able to advocate kind of for the patient and gather more information and also be able to provide information to the to the to the healthcare team. So there's definitely different attitudes and you know beliefs surrounding it, but we also believe that there's nothing really more powerful than an empowered patient and education can make the world of a difference when it comes to medications and, and healthcare and really knowing, you know, what is this for? When should I consider stopping it? And what should I be looking for? All of these things are very, very important. Uh, do you find that that's more the case uh, for seniors in um, long-term or personal care settings than seniors who are living in the community? I guess it's kind of hard to say, you know, overall, um, what the attitudes and the differences are there. I mean, we know that uh, uh, seniors that live in long-term care are more likely to have more medications, and that be, could typically, you know, be surrounding their level of care, their multi-comorbidities requiring multiple medications to, to land them in long-term care. So it's kind of hard to uh, generalize that for sure. Are certain medications um, or certain prescriptions more harmful than good? I'm thinking in terms of their um, um, reactions that people have to them. Yeah, absolutely. So there's actually a list of potentially inappropriate medications for seniors, and it's actually called the Beers List. So this list of medication includes a lot of different things, and these are typically medications that we know that the effects of them don't really outweigh, you know, the beneficial effects are certainly outweighed by the side effects. So the side effects are much stronger than the benefits that people get from these medications, but we're still seeing them prescribed quite often. So we always kind of, whenever we see patients, we're looking through their medications to consider, are any of these considered potentially inappropriate? And we actually know that in Newfoundland, we are using a lot of these inappropriate medications. And if you look across Canada, Newfoundland has the highest rates of use of these potentially inappropriate medications, like I referenced earlier. And there are specific drug classes that we're concerned about. And I think one of the most kind of common that people would be aware of is benzodiazepines. So they include things like Ativan um, and other sedatives that can be used for anxiety, but also for sleep. And we know that when we use those in older adults for long periods of time, they can cause significant issues with memory, balance, falls. Uh, you know, they can certainly land people in the hospital with hip fractures. And we actually see that quite commonly, unfortunately. So these are certainly things that we look at, you know, potentially deprescribing. And, you know, deprescribing sounds silly to come from a pharmacist who obviously, you know, studies drugs for a long time, but we certainly believe in stopping medication or decreasing their use when they become inappropriate. So why is it we have this higher rate of um, uh, prescriptions of inappropriate medications for seniors in this province? I know it's really hard to say, and I, you know, the the reasons for it aren't really well studied and really well known. You know, oftentimes we see clinical inertia, so a lot of times we see the idea that, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So, you know, we see patients on these medications and we kind of just say, well, they're not having any issues right now, but we're not necessarily thinking of, you know, they are likely to have an event in the future. So, you know, we're, we I find that we don't often think proactively and we have that kind of mentality. So certainly being more proactive and having these conversations before something happens would be beneficial. 
Our guests today on on Target are with uh, Munn School of Pharmacy, Dr. Kathy Balsam and Jeremy McDonald. We're talking about Canadian Patient Safety Week. And uh, do you know which medications you're being prescribed? Are you keeping an eye on them? Is your pharmacist keeping an eye on them? Uh, we'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. And this is Canadian Patient Safety Week. The theme this year is press play on safety conversations. And our guests today are with the Medication Therapy Services Clinic at Memorial University, Dr. Kathy Balsam and Jeremy McDonald. And Jeremy, do you find that a lot of what you do is uh, is simply, well, listening, one, to uh, your patients, but educating them as well? Yeah, a, a big portion of our, our pharmacist consults or, or medication reviews with patients, you know, involve a deep dive into someone's medical history. So oftentimes we'll get to know the patient and we'll work through each of their medications to kind of understand, you know, are the medications working well for them? Are they having any issues with, you know, taking the medications and any issues with, uh, you know, tolerating the medication? Are they having any side effects with them? But a lot of the things that we do are also providing education. So kind of like Kathy uh, referred to earlier, some patients come to us um, without, you know, a family uh, family doctor, and we can help them with navigating the healthcare system and trying to find uh, a way that they can access, um, you know, a prescriber to get a prescription uh, filled or get medications renewed. We also provide, you know, a fair bit of education about ways to manage people's medical conditions. So patients with diabetes, high blood pressure, um, just to name a few, and, and different ways that you can manage it through, you know, both medication management, but also lifestyle management. Um, you know, perhaps we're talking to patients and they might mention to us that they're experiencing a dry mouth. Dry mouth is one of the more common side effects that we hear about here at the clinic. And it's a very common um, side effect uh, from a lot of different medications, and some of which could be considered uh, you know a higher risk medication especially in our senior population so certainly we provide a bit of education with regards to ways of managing your current conditions but we also look at you know with what you're currently on are you experiencing any side effects right now that you might not be realizing are medication related and certainly then we can come up with recommendations and and potential a potential care plan for them to uh, to follow with their prescriber. Indeed, because I would imagine that uh, in some way, some cases, it's difficult to know that, you know, the fatigue that a patient is feeling is related to a medication they're on or if it's it's related to a, a health condition. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, um, again, like Kathy mentioned earlier, uh, benzodiazepines are a common medication that we talk about being high risk in our older adults. So that would include things like Ativan, Clonazepam, and some of these medications can cause, um, you know, drowsiness or a bit of a bit of a fog in terms of your your memory. And over time, as you're taking it, you kind of almost feel like a new normal that you, you get with how you're living your, your day-to-day life. And you might not realize that certain medications uh, that you're taking may be contributing um, to, you know, that, that fatigue that you're feeling, that tiredness. Um, or perhaps it could be a part of your medical conditions that, you know, perhaps your, your diabetes is, is not optimally controlled and, and that could be contributing to you feeling tired. And certainly we can help with managing that as well. What prompts a patient to come to you? Is it uh, about concerns that they have about their medications or is it the number of medications they're on? 
Yeah, so it, it can be a variety of things. So sometimes it can be very specific. Patients may, um, you know, have a medical condition that they don't feel as well controlled, and they're just looking uh, to learn about some options that they can explore to help manage that condition better. Uh, oftentimes we hear patients feel like they're on a lot of medications, and they just kind of want someone to do a general review and just to look to see if, you know, there are any interacting medications or potentially um you know, if there's any medications that might not be necessary anymore. So we get a, a variety of reasons why a patient might self-refer. Um, but in terms of like a, a care provider referral, perhaps the, uh, you know, an individual speaking with, it could be a social worker, it could be a physiotherapist, uh, could be their family doctor or a nurse, and um, that will, you know, they'll recommend that they get a referral to us to kind of do an in-depth kind of med review and see if there's any recommendations that we can come up with. Are there any stats, Kathy, on, um, you know, uh, certain populations who are taking more medications than others? Yeah, I guess we have kind of provincial comparisons across the country um, that I referenced kind of earlier with kind of Newfoundland beating the rest at a lot of things um, and, you know, nothing that we can be overly proud of. Um, But just for example, to give a little bit of a snapshot of our specific clinic, when we see patients, like I said, we are looking at everybody individually. So we've actually seen that about 70, over 70% of our patients have actually had recommendations been made for deprescribing. So, you know, as Jeremy referenced, it's very common for us to see uh, more of an older adult population just because of the nature of the medications that they accumulate. But we do see patients of all ages here, um, and they can still be kind of a younger age and have have recommendations uh, made, and they can include deprescribing recommendations. So maybe we're saying a medication is no longer necessary. Maybe there's a safer switch out there. Maybe a new medication has kind of just hit the market, and that would be more beneficial than what the patient has previously taken. And perhaps it's just a matter of decreasing a dose. So a lot of our patients do have recommendations for changes of medications, you know, in that we're actually decreasing or stopping uh, medications or recommending that to, to be the case. And when we look at, you know, working collaboratively, um, our scope of practice doesn't allow us to change a lot of things or prescribe a lot of things, but we do work with prescribers. So actually over 80% of the recommendations that we make have been implemented by the prescribers. So we are kind of working as a team. And I find a lot of prescribers are just really happy to have the help and have someone that's able to spend the time with the patients and go through all these medications and let the prescribers know of any potential impacts the medications may be having. So what typically are are, uh, these recommendations? Are they for uh, reduction in um, dosage? Is it removal of certain drugs? Is it update of certain drugs? What, What typically are some of these recommendations? I guess they certainly can include all of the above, (laughs) you know, certainly depending on the patient. So if we see a patient, for example, whose diabetes could be better controlled in order to help them kind of prevent the ill effects of diabetes down the road, um, they could be on a medication that is actually causing really bad low blood sugar episodes but not really controlling their highs. So we know that there's better drugs on the market now. We'll work with them to get them covered by their insurance companies or through the provincial drug program. You know, it's very, very individualized, so it all depends on the patient. Right, because drugs are changing all the time. And, I mean, uh, you know, a patient might come into you and say, well, I've been on drug X for the last 20 years. And you say, well, there's a newer one on the market now that takes care of these things at a lower dosage. Yeah, and can have multiple effects and, you know, multiple conditions. So one drug can sometimes cause 
beneficial effects for both your blood pressure and your diabetes and your weight, for example. So, you know, these new new drugs to the market, we're very aware of what's kind of coming down the pipeline, and we may be able to optimize the medications that you're on. And it's funny, you know, we see some folks that have been on the same drugs for 50-plus years, you know, um, because they were prescribed them many years ago, and they just maintain the exact same drugs. And, you know, we really look at them and consider whether or not they're in the best interest of the patient, or is there anything that we could do to make things better. So I presume then that a lot of these are for chronic uh, ailments or or long-term illness. Yeah, so a lot of it is chronic disease management. However, we do see people that are on medications for symptoms that they had many years ago that they're not having now, but we're not sure if it's just because they're on the medication or do they even need it anymore. So, you know, for example, there's a class of drugs called proton pump inhibitors. So these are very commonly used in this province. And again, we know that using them long term can have some detrimental effects. And we actually see these commonly used for reflux and heartburn. And some folks have said, you know, they were on these for 50 years and they were only put on them, you know, back in their 20s or 30s because perhaps they, you know, their diet wasn't the same and, and you know, they were having heartburn a lot. But now they, they're, you know, eating less portions, they're having following healthier diets, their diets changed dramatically, but they haven't actually revisited whether or not they still need that heartburn medication. So we just kind of work with patients and tell them, you know, what is the best way to determine it that's still needed. Our guests today are Dr. Dr. Kathy Balsam and Jeremy McDonald with the Medication Therapy Services Clinic with Memorial University. This is Canadian Patient Safety Week, and they're promoting press play on safety conversations. We'll have more of these types of safety conversations when we come back right after this. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. This is Patient Safety Week, and the theme this year is Press Play on Safety Conversations. Our guests today are with the Medication Therapy Services Clinic, Dr. Kathy Balsam and Jeremy McDonald. And uh, Jeremy, I couldn't help but think while while the two of you have been talking, um, what about over-the-counter medications or supplements? People who are self-medicating, you know, they think forever so long that this has always worked out for me. How might that be affecting interactions with the drugs that they've been prescribed? For sure, uh, Linda. An often common misconception is that because a medication is not prescription and is available over the counter, is that there's no drug interactions with you know the things that you take that are prescription, um, and that there's no harms to them. Same with natural health products. And you know, uh, during the pandemic, there's certainly been less access to um, you know different care providers, and a lot of patients have been using over-the-counter medications to kind of treat conditions that they have. Um, you know, common medications uh, or common surprises I hear from patients is that anti-inflammatories such as um, ibuprofen, uh, naproxen, Advil, those kind of medications. Um, patients are sometimes surprised when we talk about some of the risks associated with them, such as, you know, impacting your blood pressure or the, the fact that you should take them with food because there can be some interactions in your stomach and can increase your risk of, you know, a bleed in the stomach. So certainly there are um, some, you know, adverse effects or side effects that you need to be aware of when you're taking over-the-counter medications. And, you know, your community pharmacist and community pharmacy team are there to certainly answer any questions you may have with regards to, you know, can you take this medication? You know, does it interact with what I'm taking? Um, You know, other common medications that people 
people take they that they may get at a pharmacy or they may get elsewhere are natural health products. Um, and while these products, you know, the, the term natural is in them, um, there are many medications that also come from natural things, um, you know, in, in on in on the earth. And uh, these drugs uh, or natural health products also have interactions with you know different medications you're you're taking. Certainly, if you're on any blood thinners or different medications like that, you you should always double check to make sure that there's no interactions between the the medications that you're prescribed as well as the natural health products you're taking. Do you find some patients uh, find that surprising to know, you know, some of these things that they've taken their whole lives might be problematic? Yeah, they they certainly do have a surprise. You know, a lot of people will, will take things that they find natural, and what, what I most commonly hear is, you know, their their neighbors taking it or their friends taking it, and they they found that this natural product may be uh, maybe you know helpful for them, and, and so that's kind of why you know they're they're positive that they're they're going to take it and, and that it that it's helping. And certainly there are places in therapy that we would use over the counter medications, or we would you know recommend a natural health product, but there are you know. With any medication, there are pros and cons to those um, natural health products, and it is really important to review it with the healthcare provider just to make sure that what you're taking um, is safe for you to take and not causing uh, more harm than good. Kathy, what kind of role did the pandemic play in the prescription of medications? Yeah, so I guess we definitely saw a decrease in the overall number of medications prescribed. And I think this is mostly related to the lack of access to healthcare providers. You know, people weren't going to the emergency room as much. A lot of family doctor's offices were closed, you know, so in that regard. But we did see a consistent amount of medications being prescribed to treat chronic medical conditions. So um, there's kind of definitely pros and cons, but the the pandemic has definitely uh, impacted so many things. And I think... uh, um, you were mentioning the Kai High results earlier that did show that the in antidepressant use actually went up. And you had mentioned that uh, folks in long-term care are more likely to be on antidepressants than those living in the community, which is certainly you know, eye-opening on how the pandemic has impacted those living in long-term care. But even outside of long-term care, the rate of antidepressant uh, use in seniors has increased dramatically pre-pandemic <laughs> up until post-pandemic times. And, you know, interesting... Also, we did see anti, um, sorry, antibiotics have decreased. You know, I guess in some cases, maybe just people weren't going to the doctor if they had just a cold and were kind of waiting it out before they were seeking antibiotics. So the pandemic has made a lot of different impacts on, on medication trends for sure. And I'm glad you mentioned antibiotics because I know there's been a real movement. A lot of doctors very hesitant to uh, prescribe an antibiotic unless, you know, you, you do have a, a raging infection that they know that will benefit from it. But uh, do you find people still very much stuck on, no, I'm not leaving until I get my antibiotic? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's still a mentality that certainly when you're sick and you feel sick, you you just want to be better, you know? So a lot of folks are just really want some help. And, you know, it is the role of the healthcare provider to really determine whether or not that's nefes- necessary. And for a lot of, you know, just common colds, there is no need for an antibiotic. And we know that, you know, treating it won't necessarily change the course. Um, so certainly I can understand where patients are coming from. I, I feel the same way myself oftentimes. Um, but there is definitely benefits to, you know, reducing antibiotic use when unnecessary. You know, we just don't want to lead to antibiotic resistance. That would be a whole nother problem. A big, big problem. Uh, Jeremy, mm-hmm. can, can drug interactions and the effects of some medications hinder pay, uh, some seniors rather than help them? For sure. So, you know, 
With with medications, they you know when we have them in our in our body and in our system, they they may metabolize um, in similar ways, which can cause drugs to sometimes have beneficial drug interactions. Where you know you may be on say two blood pressure medications that work similarly to allow your blood pressure to come down more so than if you're taking one alone. But then there are also drug interactions that um, you know can be harmful. So one of the things I alluded to earlier was um, dry mouth is common and certainly as you take multiple medications that can cause dry mouth that the the rate of your dry mouth and severity of it will increase which can of course cause many dental issues um, in your mouth there are also many medications that um, you know can cause drowsiness or they can um, cause constipation and these are you know constipation is another common issue that we see here at the, at the clinic and we provide a lot of education on how to manage and you know if you're taking medications that increase your risk of drowsiness that you know that affects your your cognitive ability that can impact your your memory and you know as you take those medications together for longer periods of time that you know the burden of those medications on your body will build up with time and, and certainly can be harmful in our in our senior population and we already know the the risk of, of falls especially in seniors can some medications augment that risk Yes, yeah, that's definitely a big thing that we're we're trying to reduce. So, you know, if we're if we're recommending that, say, a medication such as a a sleeping aid or a medication that causes drowsiness, if we're recommending for a dose to be decreased or looking at an alternative that may um, be more safer to use in an individual. Oftentimes, a reason for it is to reduce someone's fall risk because, you know, like you mentioned, uh, and 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 Kathy mentioned earlier, falls can be very detrimental to uh, to individuals and can, um, you know, really set someone back and, and can increase, you know, um, can certainly impact someone's quality of life, both for the, uh, the individual and, and their family. Kathy, what else has your research found? You know, I think most of my research has been surrounding deprescribing, so the impact of looking at what taking medications away looks like. And um, I was involved with a study, like I mentioned uh, earlier, at St. Patrick's Mercy Home. So they were um, very engaged, you know, at working collaboratively with the pharmacist to see, you know, is there something that we can do to look at the overuse of medications in our seniors that live in long-term care? So we went in and we, you know, uh, looked at one particular group of residents and said, okay, let's do a pharmacist medication deprescribing um, review to see if there's anything that we can do here. So when we looked, we actually, over time, over the first kind of three months of having this intervention of having a pharmacist look for opportunities for deprescribing, we found that most residents had an average of two or three medications deprescribed. So, you know, certainly impactful to be able to decrease the medications by that amount. And that's the number of medications. So some of those medications were actually given multiple times a day. So that could actually, you know, decrease much more than just two or three pills per day. But we we, we took away, on average, two or three medications per resident, and there was no ill effects, you know. Uh, when we looked at, you know, follow-up, we checked in with these patients on a monthly basis, and nothing bad happened by taking those medications away. So it just kind of showed that these medications were put there for conditions that had since resolved, but they were still being treated for them. So we're always looking for those those sorts of opportunities to deprescribe, and I think that's really where a lot of, um, you know, there's more potential work to be done. Jeremy, about a minute and a half left. Any final thoughts? 
Um, well, I certainly want to thank you, Linda, for having us on today. I, um, I, I, we're both, me and Kathy, are very passionate about safe medication use. And, you know, any patient that we see come to the clinic, we, we want to make sure that they're on the right medication for them. I always tell people when I'm making the recommendations, you know, I'm putting you on this. Uh, it's something I would want my grandparents to be on or my parents to be on if I'm making a recommendation for a safer medication. So we certainly appreciate your time today. And we, we really encourage, um, you know, everyone, all individuals, Individuals to uh, play a role in their healthcare and ask ask those questions and listen and and try uh, as best as you can to be involved with your own healthcare. And Kathy, if anyone is curious, how can they uh, get a hold of the Medication Therapy Services Clinic? Absolutely. So you can see, you can check us out. You know, we're on Facebook, we're on t- Twitter at MTS Clinic. We also have a website, www.mtsclinic.ca. And of course, you can just call to book your own appointment. So our phone number is 864-2274, or you can email <laughs> mtsclinic at mon.ca. So certainly, I think the phone is the best way to get us, and it's 864-2274. That's fabulous. Thank you both for joining us on the show today. Very important conversation. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. And we'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone.